Guardian Unlimited. Assalamu alaikum and welcome to Islamophonic, the world's leading Muslim podcast. This week we come to you from Birmingham, where we're talking about radicalism, extremism and fundamentalism. Three words we just keep on hearing. The term radical seems to have a negative connotation directly linked to Muslims. Radical means going to the root. Fundamentalism is a purely Christian term. Fundamentalism is adhering to fundamental beliefs. It has come from America. It has nothing to do with Islam and Muslims. I really think we shouldn't be using these terms at all. When I'm talking about radicalization or extremism, I'm talking about people who are willing to take criminal steps to try and attack individuals in our society. And then you've got extremism. Extremism is radicalism, but using violence. I wrote to the Prime Minister four months ago and I said, will you please give me your definition so I know from where you're coming? These are terminologies leading to Islamophobia and furthering exclusion. So these words mean different things to different people. In this show we'll hear from young Muslims, old Muslims, new Muslims and non-Muslims. To show how inclusive we really are, we even asked a government minister what he thought. And what do you know? It's not what the Muslims think. Radicalism and extremism are buzzwords in Britain, so we're better than Birmingham to find out what they mean. Here, 14% of the population is Muslim, and the city has become a focal point for anti-terror operations. I'm at Birmingham University for Islam Awareness Week and I've arranged to meet up with some practicing Muslims to talk terminology. Certain words carry negative connotations. When you say radical fundamentalist, it's almost as if saying that you've got a group of people who sort of somehow don't want to fit in with you. They're just so radical, they're so different to us. Uh, you demonize the community, you demonize youth, for example, like us, want to have an academic debate about it. But because you don't hold the opinion that they have, you're obviously termed a radicalist. The effect it has on us, again, is demonization. Um, you actually alienate a lot of people. So there are six young, articulate Muslim Brummies in front of me. How many of you would describe yourselves as fundamentalist or radical? I see hands going up. <laughs> is it just the men? Let's, let's go to the lady over here. If I go according to the government's definition of extremism, then obviously anyone calling for Sharia is an extremist in some sense. Then if I want Sharia, that makes me extreme to some sense. Does it not? Radical means going to the root. Yes, Islam itself is a radical religion in that sense, not in the governmental sense. In, in that sense, yes, it is a radical religion. Is it an extremist religion? No, because in the Quran and the Hadith clearly state it is a moderate ummah. It is a moderate group of people, the Muslims. I think I'm an extremist in the sense that I've got a serious moral problem against the kind of values that are being put forward in the society within which we live. Um, the government will say that radicalism breeds extremism and that extremism breeds criminal behaviour and that they, in their capacity as the government, are simply doing their job by cutting off radical behaviour and radical speech. What do you think? Uh, you don't cut off radicalism or extremism by knocking down people's doors and dragging them out of their houses and their wives out of their houses as well. That doesn't create even more division. What examples can they give for that? If you're talking about 7-7 bombings, the majority of the Muslims don't support that line of action. We don't agree that that's the way forward. We believe in political change in the Muslim lands. So by Tony Blair actually saying that we, the, the Muslim community, is breeding terrorism, I think he really needs to look at what he is actually doing. I don't think it's uh, Islam that is radicalising or making somebody get up on a train and put stuff that bomb to himself. I think when anybody turns on the television and sees Fallujah, um, Guantanamo Bay, Abu Ghraib, let's not forget in what context all these things are happening. Would you agree that there are extremists who are prone to violence and use Islam as a tool for carrying that out? 
Are there extremists? Do you, I mean, have you ever met any extremists in your mosque? I mean, if, if we believe the press, then there are extremists everywhere in Birmingham, at every single mosque and on the street. In terms of violence, there's a small number of people that are willing to take violent action. In terms of views, there's a lot of people that hold views that may be regarded as, as radical. I'm one of those people, and so there's a lot of Muslims on this campus who are very well educated and, and agree with me on those things. So if that's what is termed extreme opinion, then there's a hell of a lot of us. That means that we're going to go out and blow up trains and things like that. No, there's not much of us. I think it's time to move away from labelling people. I think it's time to strip away these boxed images of Muslims and what we stand for. And it's time to see, well, OK, Muslims are a reality in this country. And the way forward, I think, is definitely with community cohesion by discussing with people, inviting Muslims and non-Muslims, discussing what are these values, what can we offer each other. That's the view on campus. The students make no apologies for their religion or their opinions. But how widespread is this sentiment? I'm going to the other side of Birmingham, in the Islamophonic Mobile, to attend the Muslims in Britain's conference run by the European Council of Religious Leaders. I'm with one of the speakers, Dr. Imam Abdul Jalil Sajid, who is much older and is what we journalists like to call a community leader. I wonder what he'll think of the words radicalism and extremism. Islam and extremism cannot mix together. These two are contradiction terms. Islam always preach peace, tolerance, acceptance, respect, harmony. Extremism is contradictory to Islam. So if anybody tells me there is Islam extremism, I say tough. Name and shame the people, individual, then individual will face the consequences. But don't blame Islam because there's no text, neither in Prophet saying nor in Quran is saying, whichever advocates extremism because Islam says that your way is moderation. What do you think the scale of radicalism and extremism is in Britain? We have terror raids, we have people being arrested and charged with various terrorism offences. How much extent is there, nobody knows, because there's no hard evidence of anybody. There's no agency in the world who has counted people who may be doing something wrong on an earth. Nobody knows it, but anyone who is being charged have to go through with the due process of law to which we support because we as a Muslim are law-abiding citizens of our country and we want to believe that rule of law must prevail. What's wrong with being radical if you're law-abiding? I don't think so there's any problem provided you listen to my arguments and I listen to theirs. So at least there's a dialogue, there's understanding. If there's no common sense in argument, people will throw those arguments out of the window anyway. Within the government and also the law enforcement agencies, there is a growing concern about how some Muslims are re-embracing Islam. They are becoming more observant and more practicing. So... Um, more women are choosing to wear hijab. There may be more women choosing to wear niqab. People want to send their children to faith schools. That is seen as a sign of being fundamental, of being radical, of wanting to separate themselves from the non-Muslim majority. Is there anything to worry about? Uh, I think it is a blessing of God in our society that people are becoming more spiritual, more religious, more God-observing. There's no link to it that if you are wearing hijab, you are extremist. We need to listen 
to youth, not listen at. We would have to work with our youth so that we can include them in the society, not exclude them. More we exclude people, more we create radicalization in the society. So we need to talk to these people who so-called gone to extremism so that can win them and bring them to our side. Unfortunately, we can't get away from terms such as fundamentalism, extremism or radicalism. What effect do these labels have on society, not just Muslims, but non-Muslims as well? These terminologies is leading to Islamophobia and furthering exclusion of various sections of the community who may be more God-observing and more law-abiding. These terminologies are not healthy without defining them clearly. I call them as a stereotyping, and I think stereotyping leads to hate, and hate leads to further segregation of the communities and dividing people into watertight compartments and then leading to further ghettoization and further exclusion which is not healthy sign whatsoever so there is a consensus among the generations that these terms are unhelpful back on campus our muslim students are waiting for yvonne ridley who's the political editor of the islam channel she was kidnapped by the taliban in 2001 and reverted to islam on her release she's at the university today to give a talk called are you a terrorist I asked her to define radicalism and extremism for me. I mean, as a journalist, I would just like to take those three words and throw them away. It's very difficult to give a definition because, in fact, I wrote to the Prime Minister four months ago and I said, will you please give me your definition so I know from where you're coming? I'm still waiting for a response. All I know is that when people talk about moderate Muslims, It suggests that there's something wrong with Islam in the first place, that it needs to be diluted or toned down. I do know that pupils at school are expected to perform extremely well and get extremely high marks. And if pupils, you know, had moderate performance, then the teachers wouldn't be that happy. So you think it's okay to be extreme in some cases, but not when it comes to religion? There has to be a balance. In fact, there is an Arabic word that's used within the Quran that uh, says, you know, that you must strike a balance. I think that the the word that we're looking for instead of moderate or extremist or fundamentalist is balanced. Would you say that extreme behaviour and extreme opinions can lead to criminality? Yes, you just have to look at George Bush and Tony Blair and you can see what their brand of extremism has brought us. Would you agree, though, that there are people within Britain's Muslim population who wish to commit criminal acts in the name of Islam? Every village has its idiot. Muslims are no exception. You know, we have people who act in the name of Islam but are clearly not. So, you know, unfortunately, as I say, every community has individuals there who are clearly not representative of the majority. What should be done about those individuals? The same that should be done with all individuals who are acting outside of the confines of the law. And that is anybody who breaks the law must be prepared to take responsibility for that. What are the impact of terms such as radicalism, extremism and fundamentalism? What impact do they have on Muslims? What's the effect on society 
as a whole? You know, there's an incredible new generation of Muslims coming up today who are closer to their faith than their parents. These This generation is far more articulate. They're now ambitious. They want to go to university. They want careers. I think that these young people are intelligent enough just to uh, refuse to be labelled. And, you know, it's the media and the government that are creating terms like extremism, like fundamentalism. And I think that the, the young Muslims now are refusing to jump into these boxes and say, no, you know, we are citizens of this country. We don't have another country to go to. We want to take part. We want to contribute. Don't put us in boxes. From the heart of Birmingham University, we're now in the heart of the establishment, surrounded by smart gents in pinstripe suits with double-barreled surnames. The Royal United Services Institute in London's Whitehall is hosting a two-day conference on politics and terror. Here I can see the great and the good from the government, the armed forces, the Met and academia. One of the keynote speakers is Lord Faulkner from the Department of Constitutional Affairs. We all know that Britain along with democracies around the world, faces a complex, changing and deeply serious threat. It's a threat that has been made all too tragically real in every corner of the globe. The primary purpose of government, any government, that of protecting the public, becomes ever more difficult to achieve and yet more vital that we do. How we defeat terrorism, for defeat it we must, I believe will be the defining challenge, not of this government, but of this generation. I've just come out of the morning session and I've been told I've got three minutes with Lord Faulkner, so I'm making my way up the marble stairs to find him. The terms radicalisation and extremism were used extensively during your speech and I imagine we'll hear plenty more of those terms as well over the next two days. What do you understand those terms to actually mean? When I'm talking about radicalisation or extremism, I'm talking about people who are willing to take criminal steps, in particular terrorism, to try and attack individuals in our society. So you would accept that radicalisation and extremism is associated with criminal behaviour and not necessarily a separate belief or value system? If the value system leads to terrorism, then it will be associated with terrorism. The argument I am trying to meet is the argument that says we are islamophobic in this country, that there is a concerted attack on Muslims throughout the world, which I emphatically reject as being the position in the United Kingdom. Would you agree that you can be radical or have extreme opinions and still sit within the law? Yes, I, of course I would. And we're, we're a free country where freedom allows you to think or believe or behave as you like, as long as what you do is not a crime or doesn't incite other people to commit crimes. Would you agree that the association of words like radical and extremism and fundamentalism with a religion or its followers is very damaging? When I'm talking about radicalisation in the course of my speech, as I say, I'm talking about the circumstances in which people are prepared to go beyond the law. That is what I am seeking to combat. I am not seeking to combat any belief or thought process which doesn't involve any sort of criminality. How big is the problem? It's very difficult to know how big the problem is. At the beginning of my speech I identified, and this is separate from the question of radicalisation, I identified the numbers of uh, 
terrorist groups that were presently either being surveyed or involved in criminal trials. The extent of radicalization, I'm not sure. That's why I think it's extremely important now to start making the arguments against it. He's the first person to say that radicalism and extremism are associated with criminal behavior. That's interesting because the Muslims we've spoken to think the government's perception of these terms has everything to do with religion and belief. I'm back now in the main hall with Richard Jackson. He's a senior lecturer at Manchester University and he's written extensively about the language used in the war on terror. Richard, what do you think radicalism, extremism and fundamentalism mean? Well, I'm quite critical of the use of these terms. Uh, I don't actually think that there is a clear accepted understanding or definition of what they mean. And I think the problem is that they're used in widely different ways and in very political ways that don't actually capture what's actually going on. Lord Faulkner said earlier today that he associated radicalism and extremism quite clearly with criminal behaviour or the desire to commit, to commit criminal behaviour. Well, I think that's absolutely right. I think the problem is not necessarily that it's associated with criminal behaviour, but that it's associated with Islam. And I think this is the key issue here. This language implies that there's a direct link between more fundamentalist forms of Islam and terrorism and violence and extremism. In fact, the use of these terms is not very helpful at all because the reality, I think, is quite different. We know, for example, from some research at the University of Bradford, for example, that as young Muslims become more devout in terms of their religion, they actually become less involved in criminal behavior, less involved in drugs, and they get better jobs, more educated, become better integrated into society, and Islam is a positive force in their life. We also know that in most cases, fundamentalists, if we use that term, are actually incredibly focused on their internal personal faith. For the most part, fundamentalists around the world are actually non-political. Using these terms in the context of violence and terrorism and extremism creates the impression that the more devout you become as a Muslim, the more of a threat you become. And I think that's completely wrong. I really think we shouldn't be using these terms at all. I think we shouldn't be using the term radicalization. We should rather be using the term politicization. These are political issues. It's not about greater religious devotion. And I think we're making a very big error here. What is the impact of using these terms that have so many negative connotations? What damage is it doing to Muslims living in this country? And how is it actually hindering the government in trying to sort out a problem? I think it has a terrible impact, and that impact is felt on both sides. On the side of non-Muslims, large numbers of ordinary people view Muslims as a source of threat, and they think that Muslims value life less and are more likely to be terrorists uh, and associated with violence. And there's also survey information which shows that Western publics are more willing to accept restrictions on Muslims and restricting their human rights and incarcerating them and sometimes even torturing them in order to fight terrorism. On the other side of that, the evidence shows that more and more Muslims feel that they are a persecuted minority and that the Western world is out to get them, as it were. So on both sides, I think it's proving to be very damaging to community relations. And then, as we've heard in this conference so far, the point is that you need good community relations in order to fight 
the actual people who are committing these terrorist acts, blaming fundamentalists and extremists and associating it with Islam, but then trying to talk to Muslims and say, help us root these people out, is actually not working. I mean, obviously there are people who are committing terrorist acts. They happen to be Muslims. Is there a problem of extremism and radicalism as the government understands it? Not, I don't think, as the government understands it. I think there's this simplistic idea and we heard it from Lord Falconer today, that these are all myths, that British policy is anti-Muslim, there's a myth that Britain is doing bad things in the world. Well, I mean, I'm not entirely sure that that's true. There is reason to consider that British foreign policy and domestic policy does create a source of grievance, is actually unjust, is actually creating problems in the Middle East, and does need to be looked at. But if you can deflect it away and say, well, actually, it's not a problem with our foreign policy, it's just a crazy idea by a bunch of fanatics, then you don't have to have that debate. You don't have to say, could it be our foreign policy? Do we need to rethink it? Are there other things that we could be doing instead? It's a way of deflecting that. It's not a simple, straightforward situation of people become more devout as Muslims, then become extremists, and then become terrorists. So, what can we take from this? Well, everyone reckons when it comes to religion, you can be as radical as you like if you don't break the law. In practice, our Muslims think this word is automatically linked to Islam and carries with it negative connotations about criminal behaviour. This word, they say, demonises Muslims who simply want to be more devout in a secular country. Richard Jackson says we shouldn't talk about radicalisation, but politicisation. What do you think? Email us at podcasts at guardian.co.uk or post a comment on our blog, guardian.co.uk forward slash podcasts. Jazakallah to all our guests. The programme was produced by the radically attractive Francesca Panetta and presented by the extremely talented Riaz Atbat. That's me. The music was by the fundamentally nice Aki Nawaz. Until next week, walaikum assalam. Guardian Unlimited.